Hello, and welcome to this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and this podcast is all about supporting physicians, especially Canadian ones, in all areas of life, including finance, well-being, family, and practice. Now, a quick question before we hop on over to the episode. Are you working with an advisor and you're confused as to how they get paid and are left wondering if you're getting value for the fee that you are paying? If so, you are not alone and I've got good news for you because I've got something for you. If you hop on over to galenhelpstocks.com, that's G-A-L-E-N helpstocks.com because that's how my name is spelled, you can download a free service guide that spells out exactly what it's like to work with me, either on a fee-based basis or other ways. And I've got direct links to two videos that explain how fees work in general and my top tips on how to pick an advisor that's going to be a good fit for you. And you'll also be on my list to be the first to find out when I release a new podcast episode, YouTube video, or when I've scheduled a webinar for physicians and their partners. And while you're on the site, you can read up on how I support physicians with big decisions, like how can I make the most of my corporation or am I on track for retirement? So thanks for checking that out. And be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com to check out that guide and the links to those videos. And now on with the show. All right, everyone, welcome to this latest episode of the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and today I am joined by Sarah Payne, and I'm very excited for this conversation because we're going to talk about physician partners, physician spouses, and it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And so to introduce Sarah quickly, uh, so Sarah is a master certified life coach who works with physician spouses and partners and helps them create unity in their relationship through coaching and is a spouse of a physician herself. So obviously has insight into that reality. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. And one of the things I'd love to, so, you know, as in the intro said, you support physician spouses and partners uh, by helping create unity in their relationship. I'd love to hear a bit more about how you, like, what are the nuts and the bolts? Like, how does that go about more or less? Like, how, what is the way that you work with people? Like, or maybe an example of someone that you... Yeah, I work, I work in, yeah, I work in small groups with, um, with spouses of physicians. And I, I mean, as far as coaching goes, you know, we just take a look at what's going on in the, in the, in the brain of the physician partner and, um, and help them get back on the same team because we all got married because we want to be on the same team as our as our partner. You know, we all partnered up mm-hmm. and, and so that we could be on the same team and not work it or not, you know, win at this imaginary game of whose life is hardest or who has the most things to do. And so I work in small groups with with them and I love it because they not only do they learn to stop doing that, but they also learn from one another. And it's just a really powerful um experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'd love to hear, um, you know, we'll talk a bit about what that looks like. And I mean, I think I'd love to talk a bit about some of the commonalities you see among physician spouses and partners, like kind of like themes that you see emerge. And before I do that, though, I, I want to make sure everyone is aware uh, that uh, Sarah and I are holding a summit uh, on Sunday, August 14th at 7 a.m. Mountain Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, where it's live. I'm going to post the link as soon as we have the link to register um, to join in and have a live conversation around this topic. And obviously, it's on Zoom. You can stay anonymous. You don't need to say anything if you don't want to say anything, but you can benefit live uh, from the live interaction uh, with Sarah and another um, 
guest physician speaker, Annie Galley, who I've had on my podcast in the past, who's a physician coach as well. Um, so I want to make sure we said that because it's uh, certainly going to be in the text of the podcast wherever this is posted, but I want to make sure the listeners heard it as well. Now, you mentioned something pretty interesting um, about keeping score. Well, sorry. First thing was you get married. You want to be on the same team, obviously, or you get together, even if, you know, uh, if you're not married, but you've gotten together for a reason to work together towards a good life. And then I hear maybe some things happen along the way that people aren't prepared for, or maybe some things come up that they're not prepared for. And I heard you say something about keeping score. Um, so what, what is that? And what are some of the things that kind of you see come up for the spouse? Yeah, I think that one one thing a lot of my clients, and of course not all physicians and partners um, get together before they're through all their training, but a lot of them do. And so there's this idea that like we just have to push through until we finish training, right? Until we do school and residency and fellowship, and then things are going to get be amazing. <laughs> like there, then we'll get the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and that doesn't always happen at least not in the way that we like fantasize it's going to happen and even if um if you know some of your listeners have um uh married or or become partners after the the training is complete Mm -hmm. there's still kind of like this i don't want to say let down but this Mm. illusion that a lot of us have about what it's like to be married or have a partner who's a physician and like it's a little bit of a fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's one way that that the media and um, yes. television portrays being married to a doctor. And then there's another way that it actually is. And so I think oftentimes resentment creeps in because it's like, well, wait a second. Like, I didn't sign up for this forever. Mm-hmm. You're still working late. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, this dynamic where the the partner feels like they're not getting the, what they need out of the relationship. And then the physician feels torn right between their, their job and their, their partner. And so that mm-hmm. creates this tension and often resentment on both sides. Mm-hmm. But they, of course, I'm more familiar with the, the <laughs> resentment on the side of the staff of the partner. Yeah. Oh, totally. So what I'm, what are, that was a lot there. So really, you know, there's certain, so I talked in one of my podcasts about arrival fallacy of, you know, arrival fallacy is a general human thing of like someday things will get better when X happens. And so like I'm in financial planning. So a lot of times people will say, Oh, once I have X million saved up, then life will be easy. Then I can quit my job. At that point, these things will come into place. And I think that the physician experience really lends itself to arrival fallacy because there's so many steps in getting to somewhere like, okay, I'm going to be pre-med and I have to be really good to get into med school. And then I get into med school and then I have to be really good to get into residency. And then I have to get into practice and I have to find a practice. And then I have to do this, that, and the other. And it really lends itself to a life of there's always going to be this next step. And someday I'll be done trying to get to that next step. And a arrival fallacy for the whole population is usually an illusion that somehow when I get somewhere, my life is going to be different or better or perfect. And it always people, is, right? It always <laughs> is. And so, and I think the physician experience is specifically bad, like specifically ripe for that experience of arrival fallacy. Cause there's always like this next step. And my own dad, 
uh, about a year and change ago, I talked to him and we had a real heart to heart conversation. I said to him, like, what do you think something I can provide to physicians? And he told me that in his own experience, like he was a nephrologist, um, you know, really good practice, making all the money he ever thought he could make and owning the house he ever dreamed of and the cars he ever dreamed of family that he always wanted. But he said internally, he was living a life of quiet desperation. And I think it was a lot of that arrival fallacy. So my dad at that point in time did get coaching. And so one of the things he told me was if you can introduce physicians to good coaches, I think that would be really great. So that's about a year and change ago, my podcast shifted from purely financial topics to coaching, because <laughs> I thought, all right, maybe that's my role on this earth is to introduce physicians to coaches. Now, um, so when it comes to that sort of um, that sense of like, this isn't what I signed up for, or I thought that things would be different at this point in time. Um, like what, what can be done about that? Because it's, it's kind of true to a certain extent. So it's like, what can you actually do about that once you've identified it? Oh, that, I mean, that's such a good point. And the first step obviously is to like recognize what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's, it's all about like shifting the way that, you've been looking at your life and sometimes we put so many things like we sweep them under the rug because it will be Mm. better when and it's about like how about we take a look at those things that we've been putting off for so long and um and work on them together and become like equal partners in Mm -hmm. this relationship instead of i often see with um physician uh partnerships like where where we've got one physician and one non-physician where there's like this pedestal idea where mm. the, the, the physician is kind of put up on a pedestal and even, almost without even knowing it, the spouse is like, well, they're smarter. I could never do what they do. It's their money. I, I don't know if you hear that, but I hear that mm. a lot. It's their mm-hmm. money because they're the ones on mm-hmm. the paycheck. And so it's about like, that's not good for, of course, for the partner, but it's not good for the physician either because no. it, it, you're not on an equal playing field then. And so it's about like recognizing where you're doing that and then um, not putting anyone on a pedestal mm-hmm. because the, the opposite is also true, right? Sometimes we look down on our partner and we're like, seriously, like they have their priorities all out of whack or whatever it is. And so it's about getting on the same team. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I definitely see that like conscious or sometimes unconscious, it can happen where, where there's this element of, um, yes, it's, it's the physician is, is knowledgeable, is smart. And they are, you know, in some partnerships, if the physician is either the sole breadwinner or making vastly more than the other partner, it can be this thing of it's their money. It's not my money. And I mean, I think definitely one of the things, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently about this and what really hit me in that conversation in part was like, and I get that, like, and I mean, even my own wife and I, neither of us are physician, but we've, def- we've definitely taken turns being like the majority breadwinner just because of the way our life has worked. <laughs> like when we got married, I made more than I was a stay at home dad for three years. So she made more Then I got a different job. And then she like, it just keeps flip flopping in our lives. And so I can totally get that where you can fall into this pattern. Now, one of the things I was going to say, though, is like um, in the case of there being either a spouse that isn't working outside of the home or a spouse that or partner that is um, making less. um, There's an interesting I had an interview with a a New York Times bestselling author, Eve Rodsky, that talked about the value of what someone brings to the household that isn't uh, defined monetarily. Because mm-hmm. just because there is not a societal definition of, and just to use an example, when I was a stay-at-home dad, 
I was making dinner every night because my wife was working like night shifts, like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. sometimes and like crazy hours. So I was the one taking the kids to the, the play, the library. I was the one doing the shopping. I was the one doing the laundry, all those things. I wasn't getting paid for it. But there is a monetary value to that. Not just monetary, obviously, but like like in the sense of if we had to pay someone to do it, we'd have to pay serious money for someone to do all that. And above and beyond right, that, there's, a, right. there's an intrinsic value of bringing that to the table of like this is taken care of. But it can be hard because it's not, you're not actually paid to do it. So it's almost like I'm not contributing. Right. And society doesn't value it as much. Right. In in a lot of, in the vast majority, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when my husband was a resident working so much and we're living like off like a waiter's salary, you (laughs) know, it's like pretty, pretty meager. And I was staying at home like with four little kids and uh, one of his coworkers who's single uh, said something to the effect of like, oh, my cleaning lady is coming tomorrow. And and he said, he was telling me this story later on. And he's like, my first impression was, number one, how do you afford a cleaning lady? Number two, like, cleaning lady, what? And he goes, and then I just paused and I said, I don't need a cleaning lady because I, you do everything. Like, you do. <laughs> he was just like, thank you so much for right. the contribution that you make, you know? And, um, yeah, that, that can be really like society doesn't always value it, but it doesn't value it in our home. Yeah. And, and I mean, and yeah, and and it's, it was a good interview to talk about that at the, it was about the domestic imbalance in the household and uh, the imbalance of value. And it was pretty interesting. And I mean, so I guess my question would be is like, if you do come across that idea of it's not my money, it's their money. Um, I mean, I assume some people, for some people, that's not the case, right? That may not be the dynamic. Uh, for other people, it may be the dynamic, but they don't even realize it. And for others, it may be like completely spoken. Like, I do not feel like this is my money or yeah. it's as much my money as it is there. So maybe I can't influence the financial decisions. And um, so what, do, what does that conversation kind of look like when you're, when you're working with um, coaching around that? Yeah. I mean, I would love, I would love to hear what you, cause you work with money and them. So yeah. I'd love to hear what you have to say, but I think the first step is number one, recognizing when they haven't made, it doesn't usually sound like it's not my money, it's right. their money, but it will sound like, well, I have to ask them if it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, like I'm all for like being on the same page with your partner as far as finance yeah. go, but like, it's just, it's interesting. Sometimes the wording can lend itself to like a parent child relationship. Like I have to mm-hmm. get permission from them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always like, that's always, um, just something to be aware of and mm-hmm. to, um, like to recognize how that might be affecting their relationship. There are times when the physician feels similarly like, no, it's my money. But Mm. I have found it like so rarely, like Mm. so rarely when we really get down, Mm. it's actually the spouse that clings on to that Mm. more than the, than the physician does. So we just work at like reframing that. And like, you, you, of course you can always think that, but how is that affecting your marriage when you Mm. come from that parent child finances? So yeah. What do you, what do you see? Yeah, no, definitely. And I love that idea that, that when you do ask the physician, how do they feel about it? It sounds like the overwhelming majority are like, it's our money. Um, but you know, there can still be sort of like this underlying like sense of, Oh, I haven't, I haven't, you know, even if the partner is an equal partnership, equal finances, manage finances together, there might be the sense of, well, I'm not the one who's bringing in as much. Um, I'd say like, it's an interesting question. Like, so I'm thinking like, as you were talking, I'm like kind of going through a Rolodex of clients to kind of think, okay, what does this look like? Um, what I would say is that like, 
when it comes to the actual management of money and making financial decisions, I mean, one thing that I'm very big on is having both partners at the table during all conversations, um, even if one of them is more. So one thing I'll say first and foremost is, you know, um, I've seen it all across the board where husband, wife, physician, non-physician, whatever it looks like, you never know who's going to be the one that's a little bit more or maybe much more attracted to the money conversation or not the money conversation, but like the, the goals conversation, the, cause like in the work I do, I don't work a lot with like that. Um, uh, uh, what's it called budgeting or anything like that. Like I kind of have people come to me like, I'm going to assume you've got all that figured out and you're going to come to me and tell me how much you can save every year. And I'm going to tell you if that's going to get you to where you want to be or not. So okay. one of the things that makes my life easier is, is, if there's someone in the car and the, there's usually there are oftentimes people who don't want to talk that much about numbers, like numbers make them glaze over or at least numbers that are presented in a very obscure, like spreadsheet graphic kind of like spreadsheet totally. way. Oh my goodness. People will just glaze <laughs> over. Right. And in my industry, a lot of times we are encouraged to show spreadsheets to people to prove all sorts of things or whatever. And I used to be a teacher. So I'm like, I'm totally not going to do that because most people don't learn that way. So I start with different types of learners. Most people are visual learners. So I tend to default towards visual big picture things. And then I drill down to the specifics later on. So what I'm getting at is like, even if I come across a couple where one might be more number oriented than the other, I find that I can usually have a conversation with both of them about where they want, where they see themselves in the future financially and what they want to achieve in the future financially. And sometimes it's the physician that's very into the finances. Sometimes it's the spouse. Sometimes it's neither, <laughs> you know, you never know. It's more of a personality thing, but I will say that it probably would be valuable for me to have a bit of a conversation around, you know, when we're setting goals, I should be cognizant of like, are these goals really both people's goals or is there any p- potential that the partner feels like they can't set, like they can't have as much of a say in the goal as the, if they're not earning mm. as much or if they don't sense it's their money. Right. Because I could end up designing a life for m- more like the, um, you know, if there is that dynamic of, Oh, it's not my money. I could ac- accidentally default to, well, the person who's making the money is going to decide how this goes. But um, I try really hard to make sure both people have an equal voice in the conversation. Um I rarely meet with one spouse and not the one partner and not the other because so many of the conversations we have are so critical to everything that I want both of them there. And sometimes people say like, well, I don't really like numbers. I don't like spreadsheets. I'm like, well, don't worry. We're not even going to talk about like certainly in the first meeting, we don't talk about spreadsheets or numbers at all. It's very much a um, overarching, like what's important in your life and what are you passionate about conversation? Um, But definitely something for me to reflect on when I'm having these conversations. Yeah, I think I, as you were talking and as I was reflecting as well, I think it's not even about like, do we, do we keep score or do we not? Are we on the same page or are we not? It's just noticing when we aren't. It's like recognizing, Mm. oh, in this area, we're really, we're such good team players. And then this other area, we maybe aren't so much. And how can Mm. we build off of what we're doing well and do, Mm -hmm. you know? do it in this way in you know, in the finances in a different way or in parenting in a different way. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't want to give the impression that like, Oh, I either see marriages where they keep score. Or they don't. It's more about like, Oh, let's uncover the mm. places and then just take a look at them. Yeah. The keeping score side, I definitely, um, I definitely, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm more going to talk about my own marriage because I have more <laughs> insight into it. 
Um, but definitely like, uh, my wife and I took on a couple years ago now looking at how we were doing things in the household and why we were doing it a certain way and why we we're doing it that way, because we never had like this open conversation about what our expectations were, you know, it was kind of like, what is your mm-hmm. expectation about who's going to cook dinner and how often what's your expectation about who's going to take the kids to school and how often, or like, you know, really figuring out what the expectations were. And, you know, we'd been married for like. I don't know, 12 plus years by the time we finally had this sort of nuts and bolts conversation of like, what are the expectations? And it's funny because we never, no one ever really sat us down to have this conversation until then. And I'm glad we had it because it was very eye opening. Like there were a lot of things that are very important to my wife that aren't important to me at all. And so we had to figure out how we were going to manage that. Like, you know, things like just as an example, um, the way I do dishes is I prefer to have them pile up all day and then I just do them all at once. And my wife hates that because, um, where she used to work at the time, especially where she used to work, she could actually see the dirty dishes all day long. And my wife is very much more, she's neat. She's far neater than I am. So she's like, I like tackling them as we go. And I'm like, well, I feel like that's really inefficient. I'd rather just do it all at once, put on a podcast, you know, do my thing. Mm-hmm. So we had to talk about that and be like, okay, how mm-hmm. are we going to manage this? I'm like, well, if I put them in the sink and you can't see them, is at least that like a way to like, you not, you know, we had to talk about it. And it was yeah, totally. a, a very, yeah. And, and what I really got from that conversation was how important that conversation, it sounds silly dishes, like it sounds silly, but it really made a difference and, and, and how yeah, it really made a difference. But you could be talking about dishes or you could be talking about like something that someone would say is far greater. The fact that you are willing to like talk about it together and hear each other out and each other's like preferences like that is that's everything. Yeah. That's you working on the same team, even if you disagree about how to, you know, score the goal. If we're using (laughs) the team analogy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I give her all the credit for it. Cause she was like, I read, she, she read up on this whole thing of like talking about how we distribute things, but not everyone has that catalyst in their lives, which is why I love coaches so much because a lot of times, like I currently have a coach, I'm also being trained as a coach. So like, I love having that third party sort of view on my world that can uncover things that I'm not going to see. Cause a lot of times I find yeah. So like physicians are, 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 you know, usually highly driven, intelligent people um, that know a ton, uh, you know, or, you know, about of a subject. And so sometimes I find that they can feel like, oh, I need to figure this all out myself. And which is why I really love introducing good coaches oh, is because, you know, you get stuck. Yeah. I know I get stuck in my own head thinking I'm going to solve this problem or I'm going to figure this out on my own and I'll get stuck in a pattern forever. And like a half hour call with my coach or even less sometimes will just like, boom, like completely shift and s- show me a path forward that I was never going to discover on my own. So I can only imagine that you provide that like sort of catalyst or that third. No. Like, yeah. Thank you for saying that. It is, it is great to have somebody on the outside that can just look at your life objectively. Right. Which is what coaching is. And I had to laugh when you were talking about physicians having to figure things out there for so long. They had to, right? And they did. And it worked so well. And then, I mean, we all know physicians are the worst patients in the world. Right? <laughs> so, and like when it comes to health things, yeah. they just like have this idea of, well, I should figure this out on my own. Right? Yeah. So I tease my husband all the time. I'm like, you would be so mad at your pa- you know, patient yes. if I'm in for something like this, yeah. you know? 
Oh yeah, no, my dad. He's so funny. it works he's, really well. Top that <laughs> Yeah, no, my dad's really funny. When yeah, he's a terrible patient. That's for sure, and he recognizes it too. He's like, I know I'm a terrible patient and everything, and um, trying to figure it all out and like the whole doctor heal thyself kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, and I guess one thing I'd love to know is like if there was an aha moment that had you really something kind of click in your life, or like, oh wow, this is really something that I could take on is like supporting physician partners in my life. Yeah, I mean, not to get too, like, um, too deep, but I feel called to do it. Like, I feel mm. like I, every time, so I was a teacher by profession as well. You and I have talked about this. And mm. um, I was at a point in my life when my husband was, was um, had finished training and we were, we had reached the pot of gold at the end mm. of the rainbow. And I remember sitting, like, standing in my laundry room thinking like, I did all that for this. Like, mm-hmm. this is what mm. this was all about. Because I, I still like, I wasn't happy all the time, right? Yeah. Like I thought I would be, right? I was still yeah. a human being with like human <laughs> experiences and problems and kids that still like, you know, struggled and a husband who was still working a lot. And, um, and that's when I found coaching myself. And I just remember um, thinking, before I ever like wanted to or had decided for sure to be a coach, just like I just kind of had like that spark. I thought, well, if I do this, I want to help spouses of physicians because every single one of them that I've ever met is so has they're just so um, they have so much drive and so much like grit. They just mm. bend through. I don't know if it's if they choose that by being mm. to a, a, a physician or if they like earn that by being married to physicians, probably a little bit of both. Right. But you can't like go through that lifestyle and not just be gritty and be mm. like driven and um, yeah. just learn so much. Right. And expand yourself so much. And so I feel like the entryway into helping um, so many of the problems that we're experiencing with healthcare is to help Mm. family strengthen the physician families. Absolutely. Like that ripple effect, like there's, there's, there's a lot of, well, I, I've read some research on how the quality of life of a physician impacts the quality of care that their patients receive, which obviously makes sense. How could it not, right? Yeah. And certainly in the home, like that's a big part, obviously of what, of the life. If we can strengthen the partnership of the physician family, then not only can the physician give better care because they're not worried at work that their spouse or their partner is like resenting them and right and mm-hmm. angry with them all the time. And we can also strengthen the spouse who has so much, as I talked about, like so many gifts yeah. and talents, then they can go and do whatever it is that they feel called to do because they can release all of that energy that they previously spent on resentment and mm-hmm. frustration with mm-hmm. their partner and their partner's job. And I'm sure you see this with finances. Like I, if I can help them clean up their finances, they have so much more space in their life mm-hmm. to do, to take care of their patients in a better mm-hmm. way, be innovative and come up with solutions to healthcare problems that nobody's come up with before. It takes so much energy to worry about yeah. things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I can give people, uh, when I can give physicians and their families like a stamp of approval of like, you're on track, 
you know, this is, you know, a, a map of the following decades of their life of like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to retire. You're going to be able to leave a legacy to your children or your charity or whatever it looks like. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, because I know a lot of physicians who work really, really hard, you know, doing extra shifts and working evenings and everything. And sometimes I ask them why, and they're like, well, cause I need to make more money. And I'm like, well, do you know how much more you need to make? And a lot of times they don't know. They just feel like they need to make more. And so a lot of what I can help with the planning, financial planning side of things is to find out, do you need to work more? First of all, may or may not be true. And if it's not true, then what do you need to do or how much do you really need to do? And what's your quality of life going to be like if you can scale back? Um, so definitely. And the, and the physician spouse, I mean, obviously there's lots of different dynamics. I mean, I have, uh, I know physician spouses who are um, stay at home parents. I know some who also have their own career. Like there's obviously a wide spectrum of like where right. they fit in, but most of them, the physician is the one who's working the longer hours. Like that's what I would say is, right. you know, if, if I have a, a, a physician client whose spouse is not a physician, you know, sometimes they obviously have careers and they are working very hard, but pretty rare that they'd be working as many hours as the physician or, um, you know, have a similar dynamic around um, a work uh, that the physician would have. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think about, I, I'm definitely thinking about a few friends in particular who are physicians, partners who are uh, just rock stars and, um, yeah, like the, I, I never really thought about that, but there definitely is something there. Like you said, that grit, whether by necessity or by design, like that grit of like, because I mean, they have experience, you know, certainly depends on when they've, you know, met up, right? Like if they met up since the early days of like, you know, med school and residency, like certainly that's one dynamic, but even, um, even the dynamic of, uh, you know, I don't know a lot of physicians that don't have to do some sort of night shift now and then, or some sort of travel now and then like something a bit out of the ordinary of someone if they had like a normal nine to five job. <laughs> so it definitely takes something. Right. They don't really clock in and clock out. Right. So whether they met at post training or not, like the spouse yeah. has to be willing to go with the flow or figure out how, some things because yeah. it's not like, Oh, they walk through the door every evening at five 30. I yeah. don't know any uh, no. physician and physician no. that, that work that way. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is awesome. This gave me a lot of insight into um, the work that you do because I know we talked about it before, but it's really great to do it in the context of this interview. And um, before we wrap things up, I'd love to hear a little bit about you know what um, we're going to be talking about on the 14th specifically. So uh, very quickly, the event on the 14th is for physicians and their partners. So both of you are welcome or either of you are welcome. Um, that's what the event is all about. And um, we're going to have two speakers, like I said, uh, Sarah and Dr. Andy Galley is going to be there as well. Um, but yeah, Sarah, if you could give some insight into what you're going to cover uh, in that uh, event on the 14th. Yeah, I'm going to uh, talk about and and teach on how to get on the same team again as here. Yeah, get on the same team. I love it. And where's the best people? Where's the best place for people to find out more about the work that you do? SarahPayne.com. No H. S-A-R-A-P-A-Y-N-E is my website. And there's lots of free resources on there. And then I also have a podcast called The Doctor's Wife. Where they can, if they're podcast listeners, if I'm guessing they are, they're listening to it, they can find yeah. me. Very cool. Yeah. And I remember when I signed up for your, I got on your uh, website, I got, uh, there's a sign, a sign up for a video that was really cool that um, mm -hmm. I really liked. So be sure to check that out when you go to sarahpain.com um, for sure. And, we're doing something interesting here where I'm uh, Sarah is also going to use this podcast on her own podcast. Uh, it's like we're doing, we're multitasking here where <laughs> I'm interviewing you for my podcast. We're also going to share it on yours. Yeah, so for so anyone, tell my listeners where they can find you. 
Exactly. So for anyone who uh, who is one of your listeners that doesn't know, uh, so I'm a certified financial planner in uh, Canada. I work with physicians across Canada uh, with financial planning. And uh, the best way to find out about the work I do is galennuttall.com. So that's, sorry, that's not it. That's my old website. It's galenhelpsdocs.com. So G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com. And uh, there's links there to my uh, podcast, A Clean Bill of Wealth, as well as a download um, to look at the different ways that people can work with me either on a fee-based basis or otherwise. So galenhelpsdocs.com is my website. Changed it a bit ago and the old one popped up there, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. The Galen Helps Docs one, not the old one. (laughs) But yeah, no, I really appreciate it. This was really awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much for having joined me on this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen in. It really warms my heart when I see the number of listens go up. And feel free to scroll through all the other episodes where I've interviewed different amazing people and getting their insight into the lives of physicians and how they support them. And if you're left wondering anything around your financial plan, whether you're making the most of your corporation, if you're getting value for the fees that you're paying for your existing advisors, head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com to download my free service guide and get links to the videos where I explain exactly how fees work in Canada and tips for picking an advisor that's going to work for you. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you on the next episode.